Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Throughout the boroughs, as somebody once famously said, start spreading the news, and it's positive news when it comes to the Giants. They've won four in a row. They're a half game up in the division over the Washington football team. They go tonight against the Steelers. The G-Men. The Giants are winning games, and the Knicks. Ah. You should have stopped halfway through. I know. But the Giants have the tiebreaker against the Washington football team on the other side. Uh, The Jets don't have the tiebreaker. They are solely in position for the first overall pick. The Jags have one win. The Jets have none. It looked like the Jets were going to get that first win yesterday. And then they do what only the Jets could do, a zero blitz. They lose. They are now 0-12, and or 0-12, if you prefer. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by (laughs) Progressive Insurance. So they're in pole position. They're in the driver's seat to draft Trevor Lawrence. And everybody says, look, once-in-a-generation guy, Mel and Todd were here last week. You think he is not the be-all, end-all, especially for a franchise like this. Well, you draft him, now what? You you draft him now. Who's going to protect him? Who's he going to throw to? Are you going to use those other picks on getting some players around him that you identify in the draft? Are you or is it enough of them? Are you going to spend big money in free agency? Like, what's the plan? Um, I just, you know, I, I I'm kind of like over the Sam Darnold, Trevor Lawrence. I'm kind of like over that. Whatever the hell they want to do, do it. Because I'm tired of it. I'm I'm tired of talking about it. I know what my plan would be which would be probably to move the pick and bring in a new head coach, my head coach, to let him assess the situation and see if he is willing to roll with Sam. You know, a new head coach comes in, he says, hey, I think I could, I think we can make this work. Because, you know, a new head coach comes in, he says he can make it work, then let him make it work. And if he comes in, he says, no, I can't do it. I'm not signing off on this. I want Trevor Lawrence and he hitches his wagon to Trevor Lawrence, then great. If he hitches his Sam Darnold, then great. But I would let the new head coach make that decision along with the general manager. It's time for a complete reboot. I would love to see Sam Darnold in another situation. Fresh start for him. And I would love to see the Jets take a guy like Trevor Lawrence, let go of Adam Gase, let go of Greg Williams, find the right coach, pay the right coach the right kind of money. And I I know they have a lot of issues to address, But this seems more like what kind of culture are you building? I don't know what culture I'm looking at when I look at the Jets. From a leadership perspective, who is the bona fide leader of this team? I don't know. know, And and I know a lot of things are spiraling out of control. But I, I think you need somebody that comes in and says, this is mine. And that ownership recognizes this is theirs. And they, they start with that. What's the right building block to build around with this piece? And I think that's what I think that's what Trevor Lawrence is. What did what did the Cleveland Browns do? They went out and got Kevin Stefanski to fix what was broken. But they had some pieces in place. The Jets don't really have any pieces in place. So I think I would be okay if they were to just re- hit the reset button and blow everything up. I think I would be okay with that. Um, but I just... You know, you hate to see a kid not get a fair opportunity and chance. And I know a lot of people say he's had three years to have a fair opportunity and chance. Well, when you've had three or four different play callers in your ears and no real talent around you, and then when you finally get the talent assembled, the three receivers that you hadn't played with all year long, you finally get them, you get hurt, then you come back, and it looks a certain way. But 
you know, you you look at yesterday's game, and he he certainly has had some bright moments this is Sam Darnold in terms of looking at some of his skill set and being able to say, okay, I can work with that. But being able to work with that, I need to know what else is around him. Like, what what else is going to be there? And that's why Kyle you said multiple picks too. to help. <laughs> you said what? Kyle Shanahan on line, too. I mean, I, I would love to see Sam Darnold. Oh, you mean trading? Be, yeah, be a 49er. I would love it, it, A 49er, a Pittsburgh Steeler? Steeler. You know, maybe the guy up the road figure out how to get him, wrestle him. Jets may trade him in New England, nor the Jets. They liable to just do it. I'm you just know? Thinking, Who if, knows? If I'm Sam Darnold, I want to be out. Like, I want to go to a team where I actually can have weapons or a core that is actually healthy or a coach that actually is competent and knows what he's doing or a defensive coordinator that doesn't blitz in our game, you know, in the last seconds of a game to have Derek Carr throw a TD pass for 40-plus yards. Like, I, 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 want, I want to go to a competent organization. Yeah, San, San Francisco would be a, a good situation. They got some pieces over there on the offensive side of the ball. They got a dominant defense. They get bolsters back next year. They're a solid team. They got a hell of a coach. It would be a, a great opportunity for him to go to San Francisco I just, you know, you're in one of these situations where I, I understand, you know, when people look at the Andrew Luck situation, mm-hmm. right, once in a lifetime, oh, the greatest quarterback of ever walked the face of the earth. They had pieces in Indy when he arrived. They needed to retool the offensive line over time, but they did. Peyton Manning didn't leave it empty. They had some pieces in play. Curtis Painter and those dudes obviously couldn't, you know. The backup. The backups take advantage of it. And so when you draft Andrew Luck and you Indy, you had pieces in place. Now you look at it, the Jets don't have any pieces in place. So you would be basically starting with a rookie quarterback and a bunch of guys that are young that they can grow with. So if they're willing to wait for the next three to four years for it to gel and develop, why not? Why not move him and let Sam Darnold go on with his career and draft Trevor Lawrence? Well, the other option is if you keep Sam Darnold, I wonder – what version of himself will he be by the time this organization does get it right? So another year or two of them not having a great offensive line, another year or two of them battling through a lot of different things. Like what version of Sam Darnold do you get in that two years if they're able to turn around? Well, the that? big, the big, so the Jets are kind of a mess. The, the problem, uh, you think, right? Uh, the, the problem, <laughs> though, is Sam's contract is coming up for the extension mm-hmm. here in the next two years. And so you, you got to figure out what to do with him. Even if you franchise him, it's a $30 million-plus-dollar franchise tag that'll be on him. Are you willing to do that? Plus, do it again. So it's like, if you keep him, you've got to pay him, and you're forced with this uh, uh, Wentz, golf-type situation. Or do you say, you know what, we could trade him, let the other teams deal with him, we could get Trevor Lawrence for a third of the cost, and we could see where Trevor Lawrence is going to be in the next four to five years as he grows with the new head coach and the rest of the team. We should you, also. Oh, wait, go ahead, I'm sorry. Okay. No, Did go you ahead. Say Wentz golf situation. Well, they had to pay him. Yeah, but I mean, you you like golf, right? Golf and Wentz no, are pretty no, different, saying, though, right? I'm, saying, I'm talking about the money, though. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, I'm like Wentz and golf. Uh, well, yeah, no, I'm just talking about. I'm talking other. about. I'm talking about paying them okay, financially. Okay, okay. They 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 would be faced with having to make a decision 
on when to pay him, much like Chicago did with Trubisky, but Chicago clearly said, no, no, thank you. And Restart good, that clock and draft somebody. Yes, and it's a good point that Key makes because you kind of gave the comparison between Goff and Wentz. Remember, at one point, it was Wentz that was way up high and Goff that was way Very down true. low, and now it's reversed. So it's the evaluation period for Darnold. If you evaluated Goff right away, you'd say, yeah, bust. The Eagles got a steal with Wentz. Great move by drafting him. Moving but that up was only because of Jeff Fisher, though. Yeah, and that was only four years ago. Yeah, but that, that, what, ago. that's not fair. That wasn't fair when everybody was saying, including me, that it didn't look good. You Zubin, know? real quick, what would you do, Zubin? You keeping Wentz? I mean, I'm not, not Wentz. So you keeping Darnold? Uh, I think you got to move him because I think the one thing you guys said that has really swayed me is this. You guys brought up three teams, and sometimes we always talk about hypotheticals here in radio, but think about the three teams that you guys brought up, especially because, Jay, you said you got to move him to a place where the culture is good, the organization is good, and they're used to winning. When you walk into the lobby, there's Lombardis, multiple Lombardis in there. That's what they're all about 24-7, 365. You guys mentioned the Steelers. Big Ben certainly more time uh, in the rearview mirror than moving forward. So you maybe bring him in there. The San Francisco 49ers, as we've discussed on the show before, not a lot of financial commitment to Jimmy Garoppolo yep. moving ahead so they could easily cut bait and bring Darnold in. And the New England Patriots, who at the moment have Cam Newton on a one-year deal. They're not getting deal. him, though. The right. New England is crazy. That was tongue-in-cheek right. for those people out there. I know New England's not going to get him, so don't start tweeting at Jay Will talking about how stupid I am. No, they're not going to get him. <laughs> we know you're using the tongue-in-cheek reference. Well done. Yes. Oh. Usually I thought I copyrighted that, but apparently not. But yes, we do Indeed. know. The, we, we, <laughs> but here's another one. At the one. end of the day. No, <laughs> I know, right? Here's another sneaky one. Really sneaky. Go ahead. And I shouldn't even open my mouth because it's it sounds weird at the surface, right? Right. The New Orleans Saints. Okay, explain that one. With you, two guys in the holster. Not just bring yeah, two guys. Yeah, but the second in the guy in the holster, you may just say, eh. You may say, eh. Are you He's talking about Jameis? You might just say, eh. Jameis. Yeah, you might. If you shot pay, you might go, I kind of like Sam Donald. And I could get him on the cheap. Well, you're I playing just, Taysom you know, Hill right now over him. So, I mean, obviously you're leaning right? in that direction. I mean, it, might, it might be that situation. I just know how Sean loves quarterbacks. Mm. And so, you know, that's another little sneaky one. Because these coaches are real – these front office guys are really sneaky when they look to the future of building teams. It'll be fascinating. Like San see. Francisco is just it's, – it's – too blatant, right? I mean, it makes too much sense. Right. And usually when it makes too much sense. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Fair point. It's got to be one of those teams where you kind of like not really thinking about them. Then out of nowhere, they go, bam. That's a fair point. That's a very fair point. We'll wait to see who pulls the trigger, if anybody. A reminder, sorry, Jet fans, Henry Ruggs had his MVP moment yesterday. Man, he was waiting underneath that football for a long time to beat the Jets in the final moments. The MVP moment of the week brought to you by Sport Clips. Get yourself back in the game with Sport Clips' legendary MVP haircut experience. Speaking of MVP, pretty darn obvious who the Browns MVP is at this point. So you always want to give a quarterback on a streaking team the MVP nod. Baker might get it. He looked a little more consistent the last couple of weeks. You could give it to maybe the best backfield in the NFL, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, or you could give it to first-year head coach Kevin Stefanski, who has completely turned this organization around. The Browns have the longest playoff drought in football. That certainly seems like it is most likely to come to an end. So how are they feeling in Cleveland? Let's bring in Aaron Goldhammer, ESPN Cleveland, our great affiliate there, 8.50 a.m., and he joins us on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. It's Monday. It's in Cleveland. The Browns are a 9-3 and football team. Boots on the ground. What's it like? Food tastes 
better, beer <laughs> is colder, popcorn is less stale, and there's a smell in the air, and guys, it smells like victory. Um, I've been in Cleveland now since 2006. I was here for the 10-6 and 6 season when the Browns missed the playoffs in 2007 that we called on our show with Tony Rizzo, the season of dreams. Um, but this is just incredible. It's, it's surreal. It's so 2020 that I keep going to the standings page on ESPN.com and seeing the Browns with nine wins next to their name <laughs> through 12 weeks. Yesterday, you know, you hear stories sometimes, guys, and I wonder if, it, uh, you know, if, if Key and, and Jay Will, you guys can relate to this. Like athletes, you know, or someone when they win the lottery and they get that first check and they keep refreshing their bank account oh, yeah. just to, like, <laughs> see whether or not it's real, that the, all that that's what Browns fans are doing today. They keep going to the standings page on ESPN.com and refreshing it over and over again to make sure it's real. Are you are you finally going to believe me, though, from the beginning of the season when I said that the Browns could win the division? Although they're not going to win the division, they're going to get into the playoffs. Are you finally on board with me now? Yeah, I mean, yesterday was the day, key that it all became real, right? I mean, because this wasn't the Jaguars. This wasn't, you know, some crazy weather day. They didn't beat Romeo Cornell's Houston Texans. Um, you know, Tennessee is really good. And the Browns, at least for a half, uh, just kicked their butt all over the field. Um, and I, I don't know that they're capable of that in every half of every game, but just knowing that they have that gear, I think it became real to everybody yesterday that the Browns are just good. And you have to understand when you watch one in 31 or four wins in three years, or it does something to your soul as a sports fan that you just have trouble believing in it. Um, and I think, though, that that belief was really deeply instilled in Browns fans that maybe they're not just playoff contenders, but, you know, after yesterday, <gasps> who knows where this season could end up going. Aaron, say it. What's the ceiling? What's the ceiling? I feel like you want to say it. You want to say it. I need you to have a little bit more confidence. Do you believe on what the ceiling is? What is the ceiling? Look, I, I, I am real about Pittsburgh and Kansas City and that going there and winning at this current stage of this team's development, I think it'd be really, really challenging. But I, I honestly believe there's a path where the Browns could go to the AFC championship Ooh. game this year. And if that were to happen, I mean, you know, then, then guys, then all of a sudden I start telling myself it's one game where anything could happen. And all of a sudden you wake up on a February morning and it's Super Bowl Sunday and the Browns are playing in the game. It might sound ridiculous. I'm not predicting that it's going to happen, but I bet if you played the season from this point forward a hundred times in at least one of those iterations, the Browns would be in the Super Bowl. Who gets the credit for this turnaround? Is it is Kevin it, Stefan- okay? It, 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 Stefanski does uh, because the, most of these guys key were here last year, right? I mean, this was a star-laden team that went six and ten, and Freddie Kitchens. It was just a mess uh, in 2019, Jeez. and I think Stefanski's calm demeanor, his intelligence, uh, and his approach have completely changed the culture in the building. Uh, and they've changed, you know, everybody sort of had individual priorities and goals, I thought, in 2019, and now it's all about team. 
Um, and, and I just think, you know, he really should be considered. I, I don't know whether you guys have a better feel the national vibe of this, but I think he's the coach of the year. I mean, if, if you're nine and three with the Cleveland Browns, um, I think you deserve serious consideration for that. O- only way he does not become coach of the year is if the Pittsburgh Steelers go 16. Agreed. And otherwise, I think I think he becomes coach of the year. Let me ask you this. Um, have you felt this way at all ever in the past with some of the other coaches that got off to a hot start? Um, yeah, Mike Pettin, I think, was 7-4 and four in his first year. Uh, but that season was all about Johnny Manziel, if you remember. Um, the Browns started Brian Hoyer, and you know a lot of people, including myself here, were just waiting for Johnny to get on the field and thinking that when he did, the team was going to take off even more. So not not really. And you know, counter to that, he had, uh, there have been a lot of coaches here, like the Pat Shermers and the Rob Chudzinskis and Freddie. <laughs> Um, we're about two games in. I just knew that it was an abject disaster. We can sniff it here. You know, the, we've seen so many bad quarterbacks. We've seen so many bad coaches. We know what a bad coach looks like. You know, when we saw Carson Wentz a couple weeks ago, like, yes, like I, I know what a quarterback who is a total mess looks like. That is a quarterback who, you know, could be wearing a Cleveland Browns uniform. Um, and so, but, you know, pretty early on with Stefanski, we realized that this was different. Not in the opener. The opener was a disaster. Um, but since then, the Browns have won nine of their last 11 games. Um, and think about this, guys. They won four games in three years from 2015 to 2017. Four games in three years. They've had two four-game winning streaks this year alone. Wow. Wow. Aaron, I, I, Derrick Henry, 15 carries, only 60 yards, fumbled the ball for the first time in a year. In yeah. a year. Yeah. How, yeah. how good is this Browns defense, and how good is it to have Miles Garrett back? Well, I think Miles Garrett's the best defensive player in the NFL. And so when you lose him, it's a big loss. And the Browns don't have the 85 Bear defense. They, they, don't, they don't have one of the 10 best defenses in the league. But I think they – There are two things. I think they're improving, which is a sign of good coaching. Uh, Joe Woods is their defensive coordinator, and I think has done a really, really nice job. There are players who are growing week over week over week um, and taking advantage of the opportunities that they're given when some guys, some star players like Garrett, Denzel Ward, have gone out for the Browns. So I think that's that's a good sign, and I think they're opportunistic. You know, who plays defense in the NFL? Like, there are, like, two teams, like Pittsburgh and, and the Bears, and I guess, like, Denver watching last night has a pretty good defense. But other than that, I mean, if you just are able to force a couple of turnovers and you force field goals instead of touchdowns, that's what a good defense is in the NFL in 2020. Uh, and that's what the Browns, by and large, have been, and it's what they were able to pull off yesterday. The, the one thing, you know, they take this 38-7 lead, um, and there's room for them to grow because they shouldn't be blowing a lead like that and making this a one-score game with an onside kick with 20 seconds left. And you know, your your heart can only take so many of those. And when you do that enough times, they did it against Dallas earlier this year. They did it against Jacksonville just last week. If you give enough teams enough chances in a situation like that, eventually you're going to blow a game like that. So they need to finish better. Aaron Goldhammer, host of the really big show on ESPN 850 Cleveland. 
Uh, you can hear him from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. on ESPN 850. Um, let me ask you this, uh, Goldie. Do you think that Baker Mayfield is in Cleveland to stay? Oh, boy. I, <laughs> I think the jury's still out on that. Uh, I think he's in Cleveland for next year for sure now. I think the Browns are almost assured to pick up the fifth-year option on his contract. I don't think at this point that he's in line for a contract extension for big dollars. Keisha, he's, just, he's wildly inconsistent. Um, there, you know, there are games where, you know, the, the Pittsburgh and, and Baltimore thing is a, is a big thing here. I mean, you're, you're never really, you haven't really arrived until you can beat those teams consistently and beat them on the road. And when they went those two places this year, you know, he threw interceptions on the first drive. The Browns couldn't score 10 points. And when he's under pressure, he hasn't been good. Uh, and then he has days like yesterday or against the Bengals where he puts up incredible numbers. I thought he had by far the best game of his career uh, yesterday. I thought that was a real statement about what his ceiling is. Um, but I, I'm not – and I don't think the Browns are ready to say that he is – their bona fide, definite franchise quarterback, uh, even though he looked like that yesterday. Now, if they're able to follow through on this season and they go on a playoff run, uh, I think that can change. I think they're open-minded to that. Uh, but I, I don't think we're there yet. I don't think the Browns are there yet. The fan base, though, is very, very polarized, I think, on Baker, and very much – you know, either you're with him or you're against him. Like, he's above and beyond any criticism. And it's really funny. I mean, I've never seen anything quite like this in Cleveland. Like, fans here were totally willing to criticize LeBron James, uh, Kyrie Irving, Francisco Lindor when they did something wrong. If you say something bad about Baker, you better be ready for your Twitter timeline to take a hit uh, because fans in Cleveland won't stand for it. The Browns have been a hit all season long. They'll get the Monday night treatment a week from tonight against the Ravens. And who could have possibly thought that going into this game that Baker Mayfield would have more jet fuel and momentum than Lamar Jackson? You wanted to mention something, Jay, real yeah, quick? Yes, so Aaron, real quick. Um, what's up with the Cavs, man? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> we'll, we'll, I'll let you be on a high for a little while. I won't do that to you, Aaron. Jay, Jay the Cavs won the 2016 NBA championship. <laughs> <laughs> That they did with the great chase down block from LeBron. It was great to chase you down this morning, my man. Have a good show. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Bye. Thanks, Aaron. All right. Keyshawn J. Wills, you've been presented by Progressive Insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com today. No need to be a Debbie Downer there with the Cavs, for sure. It's going to be a tough rebuild. On the way, what is the biggest ingredient to the Giants' gigantic turnaround? A giant Super Bowl champion. With the answer next. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from WISE, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world. 
Dining in dollars, doing business and bought wherever life takes you. The Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast. Wise is the easy way to connect all of your finances internationally. Buying that dream property in Portugal, done. Freelancing in France, no problem. Sending money back to mom, simple. All without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. Minimum fees, maximum ease, full speed. Join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash unsportsmanlike. That was a good question posed by Sports Center anchor Michael Leaves. I'm not sure a lot of people know what happened to the Seahawks yesterday. The Giants figured it out, though. I want to remind you, we're asking you on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. I just mentioned the whole thing between Wentz and Hertz. We're asking you this morning, simple, who should be the Eagles starting quarterback? Wentz? Hurts, 888-ESPN, or hit us up at KeyJNZ on Twitter. It hurts Just- so good. <laughs> Not for Wentz, though. <laughs> <laughs> so should it be Wentz or Hurts? At Mr. Heavy Exhaust... Actual name at Mr. Heavy Exhaust. Not driving a Prius like Key, apparently, with that name. <laughs> at Mr. Heavy Exhaust, just hit us up on Key J and Z and said, quote, Wentz is broken at this point. Unless you change the coach, you got to change the QB. We'd love to get your thoughts again. 888-ESPN, Key J and Z on Twitter. So on November 2nd, the New York Giants were a 1-7 football team. I thought they were toast. Key said, hang on a second. I still think they could make the playoffs. And it looks like he's going to be right. Let's welcome in. The Giants defensive end, the old defensive end, the Super Bowl champion, Chris Canty, the host of DiPietro, Canty and Rothenberg on our New York affiliate, 98.7 from 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern. CC, good morning. Oh, so what's the single biggest ingredient? They go from 1-7 and about five weeks ago to now being in pole position to host a playoff game despite that record. Uh, it's physicality, Z. I mean, you're trying to figure out how the Giants went up to Seattle and got a win with the backup quarterback. I'm going to tell you how. They went up there as a team and punched Seattle in the mouth. That's why coaches always talk about wanting to be a physical team, to be a tough team, to be a smart team, because it allows you to overcome any talent deficiencies that you might have against your opponent in any given week. And that's exactly what Joe Judge has done with this Giants team in the infancy stages of his program building. So the fact is they went and checked Seattle's oil, and they wanted to see if Seattle wanted to get in a 60-minute fist fight, and the answer from the Seahawks was no. Now that you look at that and the answer was no, are you how how much confidence do you have in the Giants to win the NFC East at this point? Oh, they're going to win the division, Key. Like, I, I think it's wrapped up. I said that the, the division winner for the NFC East would have to have at least six wins, and you were trying to figure out which one of the next four did the Giants have a chance to be able to win, right? They had to get one of those wins against the Seahawks, the Cardinals, the Browns, or the Ravens. And everybody thought that it was a foregone conclusion that they were going to get an L in Seattle. But this Giants team had other plans. And you got to attribute that to the head coach having a game plan, a specific game script that they wanted to follow, shorten the game, allow our offensive line to keep us in it, the physicality of the run game. And then defensively, I thought they had a great plan in terms of limiting the big plays, the explosive plays in the passing game from the Seahawks. Coming into that game, DK Metcalf led the league in receptions on targets 20-plus yards downfield. Yesterday, he didn't have one. His longest reception went for 21 yards. That was right before halftime, right after the two-minute warning when he had to catch and run after he broke a tackle from James Bradbury. But other than that, you didn't see a lot of explosive plays in their passing game. Their longest play of the day came in the fourth quarter on that touchdown pass to Chris Carson, which went for 28 yards. But at that point, it was a two-possession game. 
But CeCe, how did that happen defensively? What did you see the Giants do not to allow DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett to have those huge explosive-like plays? Well, I thought it had to do with the coverage screen, and you got to give credit to Patrick Graham. I mean, they played top-down coverage. There were times during the broadcast you couldn't see the safeties in the screen. I mean, (laughs) you're probably going to have a hard time showing up on the All-22 when you get the film, but that's how far back those guys were playing. They played with a lot of depth, and then Patrick Graham mixed up the looks. It looked like Russell Wilson was confused at times during that game. That's because he was, because they they primarily run a lot of zone coverage, but yesterday you saw the Giants run man-free, two-man. They bracketed DK Metcalf with a defender underneath and a guy over the top. I, I mean, they did a great job of mixing up the coverages, and then the guys up front went to work. The guys up front were able to manufacture some pass rush to make Russell Wilson uncomfortable, and ultimately that was enough to get the job done. So with everything going on right now in New York football, obviously the Giants are winning and doing what they're supposed to do to try to get to the playoffs and and extend that all the way to Tampa Bay. On the flip side, the other team in New York can't figure out how to get out of their own way. What do you make of – the blitz zero call by Greg Williams at the end of the game, knowing that they needed to just get that guy out, get the quarterback out, get him off the field, and the Jets would have their first victory. You can't make that call. If you're Greg Williams, you can't run a zero blitz. You have a responsibility to the guys on that defense, the guys in that locker room, to put them in a better position in order to have success. And I'm sorry, running a zero blitz and leaving Lamar Jackson, an undrafted free agent, on Henry Ruggs, who is one of the fastest players in the National Football League, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I think since ESPN started keeping track of it in 2006, the play calls, this is the first time that you've seen a defense sitting six-plus rushers in a Hail Mary situation. So you just don't see it around the National Football League. Like, I've been on some defenses where the coordinator's philosophy was, oh, we don't want to let the quarterback set up to be able to get that throw to the end zone. But you will send four or five rushers. You're not going to send six or seven. And the Jets sent seven. It made no sense at all. So it's absolutely fair to criticize Greg Williams for making that call. Now, I don't buy into the notion that he did that intentionally to help the Jets tank this year. I just think that Greg Williams' ego got in the way of his team being able to put themselves in position to be able to seal that victory. Why is Adam Gay still the head coach? I have no idea, Jay. I've been asking that question for over a month now on New York Sports Radio, and nobody seems to give me an answer that makes any sense. I guess the one thing that you would point to is they've had so many injuries on the offensive side of the ball, particularly in the receiving core. And last week was Sam Donald's first game having his top three wide receivers available. And so I guess if you want to make that argument to try to evaluate Sam Donald, keeping some continuity with the system and with the play calling, fair. But to me, Adam Gase... Being a head coach, he, he shouldn't be. He absolutely shouldn't be. At some point as an organization, you have to hold somebody accountable for the performances, and they're, they're 0-12. He's not good at his job. They should move on. <laughs> and you'll be moving on to your radio show here in 21 minutes where I'm sure there will be plenty of Giants and Jets talk. We appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. All right, guys. Have All a good right. one. Thanks, Thanks CC. Chris and everybody on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. And as always, Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin is presented by Progressive Insurance. Clearly, the Giants stunner yesterday, proving they were more driven to win than the Seahawks. More driven, brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. On the way, one of the most unbelievable stat lines you will ever see in a football game, courtesy of a team that was counted out for dead, but is amazingly still alive. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast.
It's demon time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100, 100 times your money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and Goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at Prize Picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to prizepicks.com slash morning and use code morning for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash morning, code morning, for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Thank goodness we got a Patriots touchdown call because we didn't get literally any kind of scoring call from the Chargers. A 45 nothing blanking on the road now short week. They got the Los Angeles Rams coming up on Thursday. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin presented by Progressive insurance Mm -hmm. this stat guys just blew my mind the pats scored 45 points yesterday and i understand you score on special teams you score on offense you score on defense you score 45 points in a game (laughs) and your quarterback throws for 69 yards your quarterback throws for 69 yards in a 45 nothing win that's an amazing stat, an incredible stat. Stats incredible, brought to you by My Computer Career Training for a Better Life. Key, here they are. They got a short week, Rams, tough schedule the rest of the way. They got the Jets in week 17, but everything other than that is going to be a bit of a challenge. It's maybe too little, too late, but you never know. It's still Bill Belichick. They're sitting two games back of the final, seventh and final playoff spot as we sit here this morning. But the adjustment has been incredible. People were ready to write them off. And they proved yet again, if you have that guy on the sideline, anything is possible. That's what I said. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to dive in yet. I'm going to wait till they mathematically eliminate it because anything could happen. You know, Pittsburgh still has to play Buffalo. Buffalo, I think, believe they still have Miami. They also have New England. I mean, it's just all these different teams within this division in conference have to play each other. So you you just never you never could count them out because a, a great coach comes up with a game plan doesn't need to be a game plan to satisfy your taste buds as a fan but a game plan that wins me football games mm-hmm. and he's been able to do that now in several weeks i go back to the fumble by cam against the buffalo bills mm-hmm. if he doesn't fumble they probably win that game and now you're looking at a different streak what what if he didn't hack what if he didn't contract covid what would this team look like if he didn't miss time and they go into Kansas City? You know, you start looking at all the different things and the different ways in which they're able to win football games. And so 
you know, don't count them out. That's all I'm going to tell you because every single year when something goes wrong with the Patriots, the first thing people start saying is the Patriots are done, they're finished, the dynasty over. This, And then he look, you look up and this dude is winning games. Now, he may take it all the way up to the end and don't get in, but I wouldn't count, I wouldn't count against him. You know what it is, Zubin? It's the way you win the game. That matters to a degree, right? Especially in, in our country with the way we're used to seeing the Patriots win. Like everything that we've seen from the Patriots has been Tom Brady, him throwing for touchdowns, the greatest quarterback of all time. Now you get a quarterback that rushes for two TDs, mm-hmm. uh, but still, <laughs> how many yards did he throw for yesterday? 69, 69 yards. 69 yards. But they're still winning games. But still, key, how you win games, I actually think, matters. And I think that's, that's ultimately – Look, what's going to come down for Cam long term in a Patriot uniform, right? Even if he doesn't get them all the way there, it gets them right there. They don't make the playoffs. Still, how you win games is going to matter, especially when you're thinking about Bill Belichick, one of the greatest coaches ever to coach the game, looking for a quarterback that actually can implement his system. But when you say how you win the games, explain to me, elaborate on that, because a win is a win is a win. The game plan certainly it was to run the football yeah. and limit the mistakes in the air because they didn't have receivers. There's nothing – I don't think there's anything wrong I, with the way that they won. I don't think there's anything wrong with the way they win. I, I think when you have a personality as polarizing as Cam Newton on your team, I think that's when it starts to become a conversation about how you win. Yeah, that because – You know, and, and because, that's, that's where I'm going. I know it's not the right thing to do. It's not the right him. thing to do, but I'm saying the personality, how flamboyant it is I with the quarterback it. that I am, that's when it becomes Man, something, not, right? Cam ain't listening to them, and neither is Bill Belichick, right? I mean, they, they put a game plan together against the Chargers on the offensive side of the ball that would allow them to run the football, uh, accumulate yards, and Cam Newton's job, and his only job is to get his team into the end zone, which he did a number of times yesterday. I, no, I'm not saying that they're not winning, that it's not good. But the bottom line is the bottom line. You win. I'm just saying it, it still feels like the way they win – that's not something I see Bill Belichick saying, hey, for the next four or five years, I'm going to win this way. Well, I don't think Bill Belichick wants to play this way. He's doing it because he can and he has to. I don't think this is the way he ultimately wants to have his offense ran. Yeah, and I'm sure. Um, but when you assess and you look at what personnel you have, you have to do what you need to do to win. Next year, they have some money. They'll go out and spend money. They have draft picks. They'll go out and draft guys. Now you – kind of hit the reset button now the question is whether or not cam will be around yes for that now maybe they've seen enough from cam newton to say okay come back next year we're going to build some stuff around you we get some of our players back that exited out uh opted out in the covid situation we also get a julian Edelman back healthy da 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 and now it looks different moving forward it, it, for 20 years or not even 20 years probably 14 of the 20 years, you saw Tom Brady throw the ball all over the lot. And so that's in people's mind. That's what the New England Patriots are. That's that's not the way that I look at it. The New England Patriots are a team that will win in any phase of the game that they can win at to get the W on the board, whether it was this year, whether it was Tom Brady. Because even when they had Tom Brady, they would go into a different game every single week with a different game plan, not a different playbook, but a different game plan, whether they would use two to three tight ends on the field, whether whether they would have a, a, a empty package for Tom, whether they would just run the football and not let him throw 50 times, or they would just throw 50 times. It just week to week dictated what they wanted to do game plan-wise. And I feel the same way with, to a degree with Cam Newton. 
They found a, a, a source now in terms of running the ball, playing power football, bully ball, and this is what they've been able to do over the last couple of weeks and win the game. Okay, if you were the president of this team or GM, would you, would you plan for having Cam around another year? I probably would because I don't know as of right now, just off the top of my head, what's out there that's better. I need to get, I need to get him a couple of playmakers. I need to look at some things on the offense and defensive side of the ball. But yeah, I don't. What else is out there? I mean, I don't. I don't want Nick Foles. I don't want Mitch Trubisky. I mean, like, what's? I'm not going to get Sam Darnold. I'm not going to get that because that they're not going to trade him within the division. Um, who who would be out there? Like. Like, right? Like, who's available? Do if Jimmy so it Garoppolo, becomes by default. It if, becomes by default. Right? I wouldn't necessarily no, say no, it would I, become I, by default. I know that has a negative connotation, you, but. Unless you're giving me. A feasible option. Matt Ryan or something like that, that's a different conversation. Because that will allow us to maybe throw the ball a little bit better. But maybe Bill Belichick is liking this style and figure, okay, I'm going to change what we've done over the last 16 or so years and start to do a little more of this and roll into 2021. My juicy answer to your question would be the return of Jimmy G. That's the only thing that you could prop, but is Jimmy G better for them than what Cam is, though? Do they look at it that way? Do they say we like him better because they moved on from him for a reason? Fair enough. If the Pats went out, they would be 10 and 6. Right now, it's notable that the 6 and 7 seeds in the AFC both have 8 wins, but one of those teams is the Miami Dolphins, who the Pats are going to have a chance to run down in week number 15. Just W and L it real quick. Rams, Thursday night, win loss for them. Ooh. Mm. Oh, have have faith in Jared Goff. They probably probably wind up losing. Then they got the Dolphins? Probably win. Then they have to host Buffalo. That's a loss. Probably win. Probably win. And then they'll uh, host the Jets to end the season. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going with a 3-1 and one finish. That would be a 9-7 and seven team. 9-7 and seven could get the 7 I think, spot. I think that is what it looks like. I think that's what it looks like. Fair enough. So 9-7 and seven would get there. 9-7? and seven? The Browns are 9-3. and three. But are they better without OBJ? The fellas weigh in next. Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.